0: (laughs) Let's go
1: A room, all eyes are on pirates. Yeah. The crowd goes wild, the girls get excited. No need to try to hide it, girl. I know you want to ride it. I got carpal tunnel syndrome from autograph signing. There you go. Yeah. It's like they can't get enough. No. I'm so rough and tough that they stuck on my stuff. Since Diddy was puffed, and before we had the band, your man had to land in the palm of his hand. Even rap fans in Japan know your man. They call me Bobby Ann, Fitchibon, rapper man. I do what I can and I handle my plan. I crush the average man like a damn soda can. I stand seven foot tall. I'm large and imperial. I'm bigger than the big show. Fly like Ray Mysterio. I get like Ronnie Garvin. I am look like your cereal. I know you know the hook. I want to hear it So here we go. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go. Let's go, Let's go. Sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I spit swiftly Rappers in the industry begging to yeah. get with me Label executives bugging huh. me, flooding yeah. me with calls. Just leave a message after the beep And I'ma try to get back to y'all I lost two record deals cause I wasted my advances yeah. On video games, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, <laughs> and laptops. Wait, 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 lap Yeah, dances? I have a lot of lap dances. Yeah, they call me governator cause I like to grab But <laughs> When I step out in public, you don't seem to give a damn, damn. I think that's only cause you don't realize who I am Man. I'm a to the land, yeah. hepatitis to the bird I'm the reality check to a Star Trek nerd <laughs> I'm not feed the bear sign the people at the zoo. I'm golden seal to an attic <laughs> at a job interview. I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. And I want to feel yeah. the spirit. Yeah. I know you know oh, the looks so oh, say it loud till oh, I get every oh, baby. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go. Let's go, Bobby. in my b-boy pose, hurry up and give me the microphone so I can finish my flows. I'm wicked at shows, dealing with the sickest of pros who happen to be metal-headed cobras, killing the joes like they was Astro. My team has a habit of things like having a passion for green and flashing extravagant rings like Astro. Hold on, let's not get it twisted. P is the illest guy to ever stack Astro since Jethro. Dean I flow so mean I hold more heat than Cool J and Cool Mo D. Hovin Astro, 50 and job ja, Biggie and P, Chris and Shan, Abra Cadabra, Alakazam, Fuzing I'll make you wanna holla, I'll take you a couple dollars for my new CD, I got the best flow, the beat to make you, chest blow, I'll probably have you, neck broke, and twistin' like a, now say you with me, let's go Bobby, let's go,
0: let's go Bobby, let's go, let's go Bobby, let's go. Front. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Now, everybody. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go. Everybody. Let's go, Bobby. Let's not just go. the people
1: with dough. Let's go, Bobby. Let's right, go. Not just the pretty people. Let's go. That's right. Let's yeah. Go. Not just the gay people. <laughs> nah, look, I'm just messing with y'all. I'm just playing. But look, I'm loving this, though. I'm loving this. You know, I like the ones with my name in the hook. Because it makes y'all want to say it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling this. Yeah, I know you feeling me, right? Yeah, you feeling me. You ain't feeling me? Look, that ain't feeling me, man. Cut it off, man. I quit. All right, that was Let's Go by Bobby, Bobby Anthem.
2: really doesn't matter to me A lot of you guys Want to see me in agony But the measure of a man Understand understand Is more than your common pattern
1: It's the way I'll make you Eat those words that matter
2: If you only knew As fast as two feet could carry you Your destiny Belongs to me If you only knew oh.
1: I got some real bad news And it may involve your body
2: been talking too much too long too loud but you ain't scaring nobody you see talk is cheap when you can't keep your promise of destruction i think you'll see because of me you need reconstruction if you only knew what i'm gonna do to you you'll be running out of here fast to feet Me. Oh,
0: if you only knew,
2: please realize, look in my eyes, you'll be on your back, I'm flat, hit by a Cadillac, if you only knew, hey dude, you ain't get enough money to buy me out, yeah, everybody's got a price. Oh, I'd like to bust you up real, real bad. Yeah, see, Virgil. If you only knew what I'm gonna do to you You'd be running out of here as fast as two feet could carry you Your destiny lost to me If you only knew Come
3: yes if you only knew <laughs> from the old school 1997 WWF pile driver album one of my favorite songs on that album another one is, J- is Jai Soul bro i may play that at the end of the um after the end of the show and before that we had the one and only Bobby anthem let's go bobby let's go that chorus is stuck in my head i got to thank g Wiz for uh Playing a a, um, a tribute to Bobby Anthem on his G-Wiz on the Raps show back on Monday. Very, very fun. I think it was a 46-minute show. And it was Bobby Anthem spitting. I didn't know Bobby Anthem can flow like that. As I said before, I love Bobby's um, Fuck This Job. <laughs> and the more I listened to that song, I found out the other guy who was rapping was Burbs. It took me a while to find out that uh, it was Burbs on the answering machine saying, it's your boy, Burbs. And Bobby's getting mad on that job because of, uh, I guess he was a teleprompter, not teleprompter, a telemarketer, he's calling someone, somebody gives him a lip, so Bobby goes off. (laughs) And the whole time, hey, that's how you doing. And the whole time, Bobby's just going off. And the the main source of it, he can't find his headset. Come to find out, Burbs has, his, has, has had his headset all along. So you might say it's all Burbs' fault. So yeah, that's one of uh, of many Bobby Anthem's killer raps. Hope to hear more. And let's go, Bobby. I think that's going to be my new favorite. I said for a long time that uh, Fuck This job" was my favorite Bobby Anthem song. But this one's up there, man. This was up there. Let's go, Bobby. Let's go. It's a catchy chorus. I especially like the ending where he says, You feeling me? You feeling me? Oh, you're not feeling me? Okay, cut it. I quit. (laughs) And the song just ends. (laughs) The song just ends. (laughs) That got me right there. I just busted out laughing when that happened. Well, anyway, welcome to the, uh, the WNC Super Party Part Deux. Which is the continuation of the original super party about wrestling and the other topics that comes to mind. Boy, these past I can't say week yeah, this this past week or two weeks has been really bad for wrestling man. Because before last week I had a, a good show lined up, but then I heard um wrestling soup and they gave their take up on this uh scandal in wrestling with all the sexual allegations with a lot of wrestlers out there. Not just the British scene, or British scene, but in the United States. Really, I mean, it, it really got, Look, it felt like somebody hit you in the gut. It was really, really bad. John Draper was on the show too, and the more the show kept going, the more wrestlers kept popping up on this list, and it's unbelievable. I mean, my gosh. I mean, Ma- Marty Scurll? Oh, man. How he how they're how he's I don't know it's just it's just gross I mean how he how uh, he took a sixteen year old fifteen sixteen year old back to the dressing room and gave him head and all that stuff and then she then he tries to blame the victim and trying to say that she's crazy it's just nuts Will Ospreay was on that list Dave Lagana the backbone of the NWA power. I mean, this, this could bury a lot of companies. I mean, Marty Scroll, he was... Ring of Honor paid him a lot of money, not to mention he was the booker. I mean, this could kill Ring of Honor. Dave Lagana was the backbone of NWA power. That could kill NWA. And <sighs> other promotions, I mean, those are two big promotions right there. I mean, AEW, I mean, they got a, a very... For them, they got a very low rating this week, all elite wrestling and NXT, which is rare, pretty much blew them out of the water in ratings. I'll get to that later. I remember I typed something in there. I mean there's a lot of people that you didn't think that got popped, but you just didn't know. You really, really, really didn't know. And when you look at the when you look at the list, you look at all these wrestlers, you're just thinking, Really him? He doesn't seem like be, he doesn't seem to be that type of person, but you you don't know, you just don't know. So after that, I I really didn't feel like doing the show, but Johnny Florida just happened to be on uh, the uh, Wrestling Soup Discord, and he asked me would uh, we would what he would like to do a show together. You know, he wanted to combine the old WNC Super Party with the new WNC Super Party. So yeah, sure, go ahead. And we could talk about this topic. So last Thursday, it was Johnny Florida, Michael Smith came back, the Sky Genie, and myself. And we talked about this scandal. We talked about what's going to happen with professional wrestling. Will it be the death of professional wrestling? What professional wrestling is going to have to do? (laughs) You're going to have to get rid of all these guys that's been called out. I mean, we don't know. I mean, yes, they've been called out, but we don't know if these allegations are true. Maybe they are, but I, mean, I don't want to discredit the victims. We don't know if it's true or not, but there's a lot of people that are lawyering up, and there's some damning evidence, so it's kind of hard to not to believe the victims. I mean, this is some damning, damning evidence if you read it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people going to be out of business. A lot of wrestling, like I said, a lot of wrestling companies out of business. Really 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 bad stuff. But yeah, we talked about that. We talked about video games. Of course, Michael Smith is there. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Oh, and Dave, Dace is there, Uncle Dave. How you doing, Uncle? Uncle Dave, I'll call him Uncle Dave. Papa Dave. <laughs> wow. Uncle Dave, oh my goodness, I must be tired. <laughs> it's Papa Dave, not Uncle Dave. <laughs> oh boy, my bad. <laughs> hey Bobby, how you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just I just finished talking about you and your uh, your song. Let's go Bobby, let's go. Like I said, I think that's probably my favorite song. Took over the spot of fuck this job. That course is stuck in my head. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Really, really enjoyed it. And of course, uh, speaking of Johnny Florida, I think I talked to him two weeks ago. He did his Liberty Grounds and a few people has been wondering about Johnny Florida's whereabouts, what's he up to what's going on with him he's kind of gone dark a little bit but he pretty much explained everything what was going on what he wanted to do and he was um, he took a road trip he took a road trip and in those I guess two or three days he would do a show on the road I think he he went to, I think he went to Minnesota I think South Dakota I can't remember but he did a road trip like a three-day road trip. It was pretty, pretty cool. I, I can't figure out how to do this uh, Mixler on the road because <laughs> I'm not that uh, competent when it comes to mechanical stuff. That's just me. Just can't do it, but it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to hear from Johnny and hear that he's doing okay. We all know that Papa Dave's doing okay. Bobby Anthem's doing okay with uh, Planet tour. Love the show. Pretty good show. Pretty good to listen to. But in case... Uh, in case you didn't heard, Johnny is doing fine. I thought I'd play a, a little clip from Johnny to let you know what his plans is up to in the future and, and so forth. So here's Johnny Florida.
4: Okay. Think about that. Uh, that's going to be the cool stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. Dirk, what state do you live in, by the way? Uh, and um, I know you're taking over as the super party, and, I'm, and congrats again on that. Okay, you're in Ohio. There you go. Um, now, like, have you talked to Dave? Like, how is it being done? Like, are, are you, like, uploading your sh- the episodes to him, and he's uploading them onto the anchor and being dispersed out? Is it? I mean, you got the name WNC Super Party Part 2, so, like, is I'm assuming it's part of the full WNC family. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to ask. I, I haven't had a chance to really talk with Dave and find out the specifics. I asked Jenkin and Mike, and they said that Dave would know more, so... Since I'm actually able to talk to you at the moment, uh, um, I'm just asking you like that. Uh, uh, like that. So if so, that that's great, you know. Ha- keep, keep the show going. Have the family going like that. I do want to start my Liberty Grounds again. Like I mentioned all the bullshit that's going on. I'm going to try to do those shows at some point and uh, go from there. But, um, yeah, I'm really... Um, uh, we, we definitely look. I did not plan on the idea of like killing WNC. That was not after I do my show, I uh f- going forward the show on Twitter to my podcast. Uh, I forward the show on Twitter to my podcast, okay. So, but like, does Dave upload it to be on our feeds, like our Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, and all the other ones? That's what I was wondering. Um, you know, I mean, and if you're not doing that, you know, contact him. Uh, I mean, well, okay, so he's not. Is he able to? Because, uh, like, if that's the case, I mean, if it's like you haven't just talked to him, I mean, that could easily be done. So, um, but, I mean, hey, you, you know, you're still not sure? Well, talk to Dave. I guarantee he would do it. Uh, you know, like, so Like, I didn't want to kill WNC when I decided. Here's what I wanted to do, guys. When I was pulling away and everything like that, what it was is I was trying to pull myself away from being part of the core group outright and continue on with the Liberty Grounds. And the big thing. I wanted to do was retire Johnny Florida.
3: Hold on guys, it's still buffering here. Gotta love technology. Give me one second. One second. Okay, maybe okay, give me a couple of seconds.
4: I know it sounds up in uh, right outside Ocala. I did that. That was fun. I did show, I've done shows live in Tallahassee, in Atlanta, and I was driving in Alabama when I did a mini sewed while I was in all that shit. You know? So I've done a show for the WNC in three different states. My, just be, me by myself. Now, obviously, Papa Dave's in Texas, Mike's in Chicago. Jenk was in New York. Now he lives in South Carolina. So between the four of us, the four of us alone doing shows live on locations, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Texas, Illinois, New York, seven states. I plan on going outside, enjoying all of it, even if it's only going to be for a few minutes in each state to have been live on the air in each of them, we will have done WNC in 11 states, okay? Think about that. Uh, that's going to be the cool stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. Dirk, what state do you live in, by the way? Uh, and um, I know you're taking over as the super party, and, I'm, and congrats again on that. Okay, you're in Ohio. There you go. Um, now, like, have you talked to Dave? Like, how is it being done? Like, are you, like, uploading your sh- the episodes to him, and he's uploading them? onto the anchor and being dispersed out is it i mean you got the name wnc super party part do so like is i'm assuming it's part of the full wnc family uh, i don't know i'm trying to ask i i haven't had a chance to really talk with dave and find out the specifics i asked Jenk and mike and they said that dave would know more so since i'm actually able to talk to you at the moment uh, um, i'm just asking you like that um uh, uh like that so if so that that's great you know keep it, keep the show going, have the family going like that. I do want to start my Liberty Grounds again. Like I mentioned all the bullshit that's going on. I'm going to try to do those shows at some point and uh, go from there. But, um, yeah, I'm really uh, uh, we, we definitely – Look, I did not plan on the idea of, like, killing WNC. That was not – After I do my show, I, uh, f- going forward the show on Twitter to my podcast. Uh, I forward the show on Twitter to my podcast. Okay. So, But, like, does Dave upload it to be on our feeds, like our Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, and all the other ones? That's what I was wondering. Um, You know, I mean, and if you're not doing that, you know, contact him. Uh, I mean, uh, well, okay, so he's not. Is he able to? Uh, Because, like, if that's the case, I mean, if it's like you haven't just talked to him, I mean, that could easily be done. So, um, but, I mean, hey, you know, you're still not sure? Well, talk to Dave. I guarantee he would do it. Uh, you know, like, so like, I didn't want to kill WNC when I decided... Here's what I wanted to do, guys. When I was pulling away and everything like that, what it was is I was trying to pull myself away from being part of the core group outright and continue on with the Liberty Grounds. And the big thing I wanted to do was retire Johnny Florida. And I still got to plan it out. And the fact that I'm, not, I'm doing this this weekend means it's not happening. But we're going to finally do... I'm going to talk to Gareth. I'm going to talk to Scott. I'm going to talk to the guys for the judges. And I'm going to finish this tournament. We're going to get this thing actually going. I'm going to find out what happened about the Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame. We're going to do all that shit. we're going to keep it going, okay? I didn't want to... My goal was never like the idea of killing WNC. I didn't want that at all. But I'm killing Johnny Florida. That was shocking when WNC ended. Scott. It's, it's pathetic. Didn't believe it. It's not ended. It's clearly being changed up. You know, you got the Super Party now, so you're doing that. WNC Network is still around, and... It's just changing things up. What's up, Yucky? Um, you know, it's just it's things are changing us all a little bit. But I do. I after everything that happened with um, with Joey numbers and all that shit, and like like literally, I've cut ties on all that. I don't. I don't talk. I don't listen to Soup anymore. None of it. Um, I'm done with all that because of that shit. Like, cause I honestly thought that was a v- very bad cheap shot. Uh, uh, not even a cheap shot, just a horrible shot Joey did, uh, personally speaking. But then I get unbiased because it was towards me. And the fact that I wasn't even the guy that said all the shit that he wanted to say it to. But then when he realized when someone said it was me, he felt more confident and wanted to say that shit. So fuck him. You know? And his fat nose. But um, it all this time when I finally decided I wanted to retire, what I wanted to do was retire Johnny Florida. And... You know, like I started thinking about it because of Mike, you know, because Mike has changed himself. He was Corvin, then he became Mike Andolini, now he's Mike Smith, or it was Mike Smith, now he's inmate, one, two, three, kitty, kitty, lick, lick, or whatever, some shit, and um, it's like, you know what, I, I, I'm going to actually take a page from Mike, and I'm going to get rid of Johnny Florida and just be Johnny, just be me, you know? I mean, I've always been pretty much me. I've never lied. I've never acted more. I mean, I incited more for fun. But Johnny Florida became me as not an alter ego, just an alternate name. But I want to drop that. I want to get rid of it. That's my plan. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with all this. I've been... uh, Well, Joey thought that was you doing the burner count. I don't think he really wants to wish death on you. Here's the thing he said, dude. um, And here's the thing. I have not listened to them since. So if he said some kind of apology, I don't know. And someone could say that's on me, but I haven't been told if he said anything. But once it was said that it was me, he's like, oh, well, I'm glad I could put to a face to somebody when I I say I wish death on them and all that kind of shit, you know? And he hoped I would get COVID because he knew I was a... I've been a speculator on this whole thing. The funny thing is more and more people now speculate more about COVID now than they did before, so fucking ironic that I'm the bad guy for that. Meanwhile, a lot more people think this think the way, and I've never been like, okay, the whole disease is a virus is a hoax. I mean, I wouldn't put it past some of the people at the establishment, but that's just I'm not saying this is you know the concept, I could believe this case, actual virus. I'm fucking lucky, because uh, it turns out now I have not gotten sick. I haven't gotten tested. I'm not going to get tested, and if I do get tested and test positive, I'm not going to take the vaccine. Fuck that. Um, I don't even take the flu vaccine. I'm done with that. I'm not an outright anti-vaxxer like a lot of people. Like I, I do believe the MMR vaccine's valid, but I don't do the flu vaccine. But um, I'll just get sick and get over it. <laughs> That's how I've been doing it for like a number of years now. But... um uh but yeah, no, a lot of people just think like it's actual bullshit, you know, about all this stuff with COVID. So it's kind of funny that, you know, he wanted to be like hate anybody who was speculating at all about it. And now it's like more people speculate about the truth with COVID. Uh, but yeah, I'm the one that he has to wish death upon. Yeah. Fuck you. And again, if he's apologized since or if he's tried to clarify, if he's like my bad I didn't know it was Johnny and stuff like that. But I've never been messaged by anybody. I haven't been told even by my guys, you know, from WNC who still listen. I I haven't heard anything. So he could have said something and clarified. And I'd be open to talking if I I would love to I would be open to talking to the guys and just say my piece of why I think the way I think about all this shit. Um uh, but it would have to be on the air because transparency. I don't want it to be a Quiet thing, you know? But it's like, you know, and the truth was that it even hurt even more because I got no problem in admitting that I idolized them, you know. I idle I podcasting existed until I was checking out some wrestling stuff on YouTube back in two thousand thirteen and finding clips from Don Tony Kevin Castle and then starting to listen I was listening on like fucking Ustream stream or whatever that fucking shit was back in the day. Ice stream or whatever that Don Tony had. And then like every so often hearing Joey numbers or, or, or Mish come on. And then I started getting a soup and then I was a big fan of all five of them. When you add on Draper. And then it's like, I eventually got to the point that I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand the fact that Kevin Castle does almost nothing. DT and Mish do all the work. It took them how long just to get them a fucking headset, you know, and shit like that. Um, so I had a problem like that with him, but I still love drapes. Uh, but then it's like with Mish, no, not Mish, Don Tony, I just felt like his ego got so much. Like, the thing was, I never got, I, I, I finally got my confidence back after a long time. Like, I've had my confidence for a number of months now, and I don't put up with shit. And, and I still make pessimistic jokes, but I treat them as outright jokes and not just me dissing myself to keep me down. I literally am at the point that I truly support every uh, support what I'm doing, and I'm happy, you know. So, but I've never been. Uh, uh, I know that there's a fine line between ego and confidence, and I have it figured out. I actually, I, I do, you know, because I do keep myself in check. Um, but what do you call it? 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 Um, Don Tony, just that ego got to be so much that I'm like I'm. I just I literally couldn't stand it anymore. And I stopped listening to DTKC. And now this shit with Soup, it's like, yeah, I stopped listening to them. I stopped donating to the the Patreon and all that stuff. So, yeah. I've cut myself I've cut the ties completely with that. So, again, they could have come out and made a clarification and apologize and stuff like that and I don't know about it. But I haven't been told shit about it. And that's fine. I'm I'm doing things good. I'm my finances are going great. My job's pretty good. I'm already looking and planning things out for promotion for the next year. You know, trying to get a promotion in the next year. Stuff going on with politics is pretty good. I mean, thanks to COVID and all this other shit going on, haven't really had a chance to see a lot of stuff, so it's that. But the cycle should be picking up pretty soon eventually, and I'm looking forward. This is going to be great. Florida is going to be fun. It's the biggest battleground state in the country, and we're now going to be hosting the Celebration Days of the Republican National Convention up in, in uh, Jacksonville. But at the same time, the Libertarian Convention is being held in Orlando. And I'm going to both. I love this shit. Like, I told people, if the Green Party, if you want him, you can have him. There you go. Um, I see it because of Dirk. Uh, if, uh, like, literally, if the Green Party was holding a convention in Florida, I would go. I, I'm just, all this kind of stuff is fun for me. You know what I mean? But... I got all that going on. My finances are going pretty good. I'm taking these vacations now, planning on trying to do a monthly vacation. I'm going to put more in my finances towards savings and everything. I, I've been putting in the stocks and shit, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and I'm, I'm very happy. I'm not at 100%, but I'm doing very good. And, uh, oh my God, a Juggalo wedding. That's going to be fucking scary. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really happy. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I w- there's some things I wish I could do more, but I think right now, Trying to get back into podcasting and trying to get back into travels will be two steps because it's going to get me back outside. You know what I mean? Um, Getting back out on the air and getting back out and traveling again like I always wanted to do is going to really help pedestal me over because it's like, you know what they say? What's that saying? A body at rest turns to stay at rest. A body in motion turns to stay in motion. And it's true. That is a true thing. And I think by... Talking again, and I'm, I never shut up. I'm always talking, even at work. But by talking again on the air, doing the podcasting, and by traveling again, like I used to try to do a lot, and I'm going to be doing it again. Like I didn't travel once last year. I mean, if you don't count, driving up to Georgia. You know, this year I went to Tallahassee, Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia, all in a week. Now I'm driving up, to, I'm flying up to the Midwest. I'm going to be doing these flights a lot more often. And uh, just get myself out, and that's really going to help me do more and more stuff, you know? And I think that's going to be the benefit, so. But I'm going to get out of here. Uh, if you guys are following me on my Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash WNC network, I'm going to be uh, follow me over there, if you're not already. I'm going to be playing the game tonight. Uh, I just downloaded the Mafia 3 defense, so I'm going to play. be replaying that and seeing how the graphics look and everything. Keep in mind, right now I'm not going to because, um, oh my God. Right now with all the other finances, once I get paid next week, I'm covered. You know what I mean? Um, But Mafia 3's Definitive Edition also includes that if I pay $50, it will create the download for Mafia's 1 and 2. And so I'm looking forward to doing that and replaying the original Mafia game on Twitch and on on my Xbox. So I'm looking forward for that. I've got to download uh, my Red Dead Redemption 2 and my Battlefield 1. I still haven't, goddamn. Uh, I'm going to try to download one of them tonight while I do some other shit and go from there. So, but lo- back at you, you Always love you, you know? Um, and yeah, like the quote would uh, double down what Dirk said you guys keep going on a planet Rat tour. I-, I think that's a really cool thing. You, Dave, and uh, Bob's all together doing it. That's a, that's a great trio. If you think about it, you know, you guys are all you guys have calm, but then chaotic in a good way. It's like it's it's like I I, I don't want to say like it's the bipolar thing, but what it is is you guys got your mellow side like smoking pot and then you got your like taking taking cocaine or speed, and then just going wild. And so you take the three-person... I'm not saying you guys are actually doing that, but you hear what I'm saying, I'm talking personality-wise. You ta- all three of you have your own versions of that, and then you put it together. And like Dirk said, it's a hell of a trio. Uh, he says a heel of a trio. I think he meant hell of a trio, but both are legit, you know? Um, I'm editing things and doing things I've never be- done before. There you go. Um, and uh, Dirk, and that's shocking that Yuck has a mellow side... Here's the thing, dude. When you're on the air with Yuck a lot, and especially when you see the video screen of him, after a long time of being on in a single episode, you start seeing him calm down, have his mellow side, calm, cool, collect, just chilling, and going for the fun. So you see both sides. It's like he's right; he does turn up for the corner, but at the same time, you'll see it on the opposite side, and so you can see all th- two both sides for all three guys. You know, like Bobby Anthem's the one who doesn't have as much energy that's prominent like Dave can get when he gets on a rant or how Yuck gets with his chaoticness. But Bobby Anthem has, like, a calm chaotic way. Like, you can just feel the energy coming off him, but it's still calm, you know? And that's the fun thing about these three guys. So you making Planet Rat Contour, taking these three guys together, that is a personality overload that is perfect. So... Like, I'm doing D- Diamond Dallas Pages Diamond Cutter, tri- like, for a, a triangle version, though. You know? One minute it's granny porn, then yucks is a calm narrator. There you go. So, that's a good way of describing it, so. But, uh, yeah, so follow me on Twitch, guys. Twitch dot, uh, Oh, my God. Twitch TV forward slash WNC network. Um... And, uh, follow me there, and, um, um, yeah, follow me on there, and, um, we'll have some fun tonight later on. I'm going to get myself something to eat, uh, I'm going to have to put my phone on the charger, and then, uh, save what time I have left for tomorrow, so, um, let me just double check that it's WNC Network, that's what it should be, um i I, ten, I pull up a phone i always take one of my phones and i will log in as well uh onto my twitch so i can monitor the chat so yeah Twitch.tv forward slash w n c network follow me on there and um i'll be on the i'll be on later on tonight okay so i'll talk to you guys later y'all have a good one and uh stay cool stay safe uh stay chaotic stay yucky and uh uh yeah, again I will be on the air. Check out the story. All you can eat. Bobby Anthony does a good job. I'll take a look at that. Um, I will be on the air again tomorrow, live in South Dakota. Okay, uh, that's where I'll be. So I'll see you guys then.
3: And there you have it. That was Johnny Florida from two weeks ago when he did a uh, surprise Liberty Grounds. He popped up. It was. Good to hear from him again. Glad he's doing fine. Seems healthy. Seems like he's in a good place. And yeah, like he said, you know, he cleared the air. What was going on? You know, you might say he threw a couple of bombs, but hey, it is what it is. That's how it felt. <laughs> I remember that whole spill in Discord. I'd explained it before on the last show or the show I did two weeks ago. Have my opinion on it and. I'm kind of glad everyone's going their separate ways, and no blows came, if you know what I mean. No fighting at all. It's all good. Yeah, and I like the way Johnny Florida talked about the three guys. You know, Bobby Anthem does have that uh, quiet charisma. Y- you know, you can you can feel it. Doesn't get too doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He's just steady, just balanced. And Yuck Nasty, you know, yeah, Yuck Nasty is crazy, and I have kind of. Uh, Hope finding him and Dogga baby being calling them, calling them the violent J and shaggy two dopa podcast radio because you know <laughs> I could see them drinking their fago pops and all that stuff and but they, but he's cool I remember one episode that he did on the get in the corner you know he's playing music that he produced and we got into a little conversation talking about his son who was now 17 years old. 17 years old. I mean, wow. Because I remember he said that I think he made a beat for his son when he was four, and now he's 17. I'm thinking, man, that's pretty deep. So, yeah, so Yuck Nasty does have a tender side. He can be deep. Yes, he can be a little nuts at times, but there's more hilarious to him. And what can you say about Papa Dave, man? Papa Dave is Papa Dave. He's not Cousin Dave. Like I said, I don't know why I called him Cousin Dave. Because, yeah, I think that was in my head because Johnny Florida said he didn't want to be Johnny Florida anymore. He thought about Cousin Johnny. Okay. Cousin Johnny, Papa Dave, Cousin Johnny. I guess Mike can be Uncle Mike. Who knows? But, all right. If he wants to be Cousin Johnny, he could be Cousin Johnny. (laughs) So, I don't know why I called Papa Dave. Oh, boy. But but that, that is a cool name, though. Uncle Dave. Oh, oh well. But Papa Dave, that'll work. Yeah, Papa Dave, he's mellow. I like Papa Dave. Always have the elder statesman of this whole thing that keeps people in line. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Now, beyond that here, I thought I wanted to review an old, old, uh, old wrestling back in 1991. This was back when WCW... World Championship Wrestling had their Clash of Champions. I think they would do it every three, four months. What was significant about this pay-per-view, or pay-per-view my God, this, le- this special event that was on TBS is that back on um, May 19th, 1991, when I was a sophomore in high school, they had a, a pay-per-view called Super Brawl. Now, I didn't know my grandmother taped this pay-per-view. At the time, but I thought it was odd that they had a pay-per-view, and then on June 12th they had this Clash of Champions. So to me, it kind of negated that Super Bowl pay-per-view. It had me thinking, why would anyone pay for the Super Bowl Super Bowl pay-per-view when get, when they can watch Clash of the Champions 15 three three weeks later with the same type of matches? This one had 11 matches in all. I remember recording this on a Wednesday and me being really enthusiastic about it. Had some good, good matches. Now, before I reveal it, let me go ahead and play the intro to that. Yes, that was the intro of the Clash of Champions. I'm guessing Dusty Rhodes had a hand with that. that hand with that because I saw his name on the uh, the name at the name of the beginning of the show, Virgil Reynolds, and at the end of the show as the uh, producer. I'm not sure if he was executive producer, but at that time he was the producer. He booked the matches. This was a, this took this Clash of Champions took place at. Uh, the Civic Auditorium in Knoxville, Tennessee, called Knoxville, USA. Of course, they had the old classic WCW ramp. Remember the old WCW ramp where they just walked down the ramp and into the ring? And a way, I kind of missed that. That's where I guess Hulk Hogan got the idea when he went to TNA back in 2010. They got the ramp back, and also he had a bad back. Maybe that's why they put the ramp up. He had eight back surgeries, but anyway. I always enjoyed that type of atmosphere with the ramp. Obviously, they got that from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling because they did the exact same thing back in the day themselves. Just had the big long ramp, and there was a long, long ramp in the uh, Egg Dome in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But anyway, we have eleven matches in all, and the match—the first match was the Young Pistols and the Z-Man versus the Freebirds with Bad Street. And of course, it was. This was a very early. DDP was with them, and Big Daddy Dink, who we all know, was Oliver Humperdink <laughs> I couldn't get over the mullets on this match. Everybody at least had a mullet in this match, and Bad Street was a guy in the match we all know it was Brad Armstrong. And I gotta say, he was he was pretty good as Bad Street. At first, his name was Fantasia, but they changed it to Bad Street. And of course, at that time, I th- yeah, like I said, I was 16 and. Let's just say at that point I geared toward more of the bad guys than the good guys. So, yeah, as much as people knock the free birds from that, oh, this isn't the real free birds, this isn't the real free birds, I wanted them to win because it, it was weird to see Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. I mean, they teamed before, but he was gorgeous Jimmy Garvin before, then became Jimmy Jam Garvin as a free bird. And yeah, they did win the WCW tag team champions twice. Which was it was it was weird because Jimmy wasn't that big of a guy and they try they try to work like a badass. I mean we heard the stories from Jim Cornette with uh Jimmy Garvin beating on um supplements and that pretty much affected his behavior. So he tried to work like the ro work like the Road Warriors. But anyway, this match was uh, fast and furious from the start. At this point in time, back on Super Brawl, the Freebirds defeated the Young Pistols to be the new it was the vacant for the vacant United States Tag Team Champions. That's where Bad Street interfered which allowed the Freebirds to win the match and become the new champions. And of course, like I said, this was fast and furious. Not a long match, but uh It was fast. It seems like almost every one of these matches was on hurry up mode. It seems like somebody was in the back yelling them, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, we're on time, but hurry up, hurry up. That's what it felt like. Eleven matches and all. I guess they're trying to crunch all these matches uh, within two hours. So so nearly at the end of the match, Freebirds take control of Z-Man and the Young Pistols. They throw them out twice. And then they both get up on the All three guys get up on the apron. And there was a triple sunset flip. And Bill Alfonso, who was a referee, counted all three men shoulders down to the mat. One, two, three. <laughs> I thought that was pretty unique. Pretty unique. Bill Alfonso was known to make those fast three counts. He did a lot of them on this uh, card. But this was a fast three count. But it was a really, really cool pin. A triple Somerset flip for the pin. Up next, Oz <laughs> with the Great Wizard versus Johnny Rich. I think it was Tommy Rich's cousin. I don't know. I remember Johnny Rich back in, the, I, I think he was in um, Continental Wrestling, feuding with the um, the stud stable, Rob Fuller and Jimmy Golden, along with Tommy Rich and the Bullet Bullet Bob Armstrong. And sometimes Mr. Wrestling, 2 was there. He was a heel at that time. But anyway, he took on Oz. We all know Oz was Kevin Nash. The great wizard was Kevin Sullivan. They made their debut back at the very, very first Super Brawl. And I guess this gimmick was fashioned from the Wizard of Oz. And Kevin Sullivan had this monkey on his shoulder. You could hear him in the – he had a headset on – and you could hear him yelling welcome to oz welcome to oz <laughs> which was pretty it was a, it was irritating, but it was funny at the same time and you had the the characters the tin man and dorothy and the scarecrow and then Kevin not Kevin Nash starts speaking he said i will show you who oz really is <laughs> and of course he walks to the ring and beats Johnny Rich very, very quickly. It was a squash match. Minute. It was a minute and three seconds. Kevin Nash was dyed his hair gray, wore green. I did like his finisher, though. He did the airplane spin. It works for him because he did an air, airplane spin, and then he would let you go and you land on your back, which is pretty good because at that time, well, he still is, but I think he was 6'11", feet tall, so if someone's spinning you, from the side from a guy the size of uh Oz, seven feet tall, and you fly, and he throws you off a of shoulder and you land on your back. Yeah. That's gonna do some damage. Next up we had Dangerous Dan Spivey taking on Big Josh. This was when they were WCW was really focusing on height because they introduced Spivey at 6'8. Back in Super Brawl, when he faced Ricky Morton, he was (laughs) 6'10". Yeah, he was 6'10", but on Clash of Champions, he was 6'8", so I guess he shrunk two inches, I don't know. So he was 6'8", and he weighed 312 pounds. And he went up against Big Josh. As we all know, is maniac, Matt Bourne, Doink the Clown, but here he was Big Josh, and when I saw this match, I forgot how big Big Josh's arms really were. I mean, he he was massive. And looking at this match, you wouldn't think that size wise, well height wise, you wouldn't think that uh Big John Big John Big Josh had a chance with with um Dangerous Dan Spivey, but man, they went at it like two bulls. I mean they really I'm not gonna say they stiff each other, but this was kind of a old fashioned horse fight. I was really surprised the way Big Josh would take down Dan Spivey. I remember one time he threw – Dan Spivey whipped Big Josh into the turnbuckle. Dan Spivey followed him, but Big Josh got out of the way. Big Josh does a full German suplex on Dan Spivey with ease. I'm thinking, holy shit. I and mean, we're talking about Dan Spivey. Dan was Spivey, Dan no small man, but Big Josh threw him around with ease. And then out of nowhere, Kevin Sullivan gets out of his uh, great wizard outfit, and he walks out there with a crutch. And Big Josh was about to d- do his um, finisher, where he bounces off the ropes and delivers a butt drop. He He yells timber, and out of nowhere, Kevin Sullivan hits him with a crutch. Breaks the crutch over Big Josh's back. I'm not sure how Nick Patrick didn't see this. <laughs> it was kind of right in front of the referee. Part of the crutch was laying in the ring. And I'm sitting here thinking, you mean to tell me you didn't see that? It's right there, right in the middle of the ring. So Big Josh turns around out of nowhere. Dangerous Dan Spivey clothesline Big Josh's from behind. Hits his own version of the German suplex and pins him. One, two, three. So, two minutes fifty-two seconds. Really fast match, but man, they really, really beat the hell out of each other. They really, really did. Also, during this uh, special event, they had something called coming attractions, which was this was their this was their way of highlighting new talent coming in. One was oh god. PN News, the rap master. We all remember PN News. They show him rapping. They they show him wrestling and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. Oh, boy. For some reason, he seemed out of place at that time in the old south of WCW. He would work in New York with Vince McMahon. But here, he was a big boy, 300, 300 pounds, 400 pounds. His finisher was the broken record. He'd come off the top rope and splash you. Eh, not one of my favorite uh, favorite new characters, but it is what it is. Up next, we have The Danger Zone with Paul Heyman, a.k.a. Paul E. Dangerously. His special guest was Jason Hervey from The Wonder Years, who played the older brother of Fred Savage. And, of course... Paul E. Danversley was being Paul E. Danversley. He kept asking questions about him and Missy Hyatt, talking about uh, you got a new car, you got a new house, you're dating Missy Hyatt. Then he says, are the two of you in love with each other, Mr. TV star? And, that's, and then Jason Hervey asked Paul, how does it feel to get your butt kicked by a woman? <laughs> and, and, of course, that got a big pop from the fans. And, of course, Paul Heyman decides that, turning up a notch and he asked Jason Hervey again you got a new house you got a new car so if everything in your life is new how come your girlfriend is used to merchandise (laughs) I remember that line and this sets off Jason Hervey and Jason Hervey goes off on Paul and says I didn't come out here to be slandered by you. year slandered by you you want to ask me about Lex Luger or Ric Flair Sting I'll ask you about that But as far as I'm concerned, this interview is over. And he pretty much shoves the microphone back in Pauly Dangerously's chest. Pauly Dangerously backs off and says, okay, okay, no harm done. And (laughs) Jason Hervey turns his back, and out of nowhere, Pauly pretty much blasts Jason Hervey with his telephone. And out of nowhere comes Missy Hyatt running, In this tight red outfit. And you can see her. Well I guess in this day and age. I can't say. But I guess you can see her um, eyes. Bouncing up and down. (laughs) And Paulie runs for the border. And of course. Missy Hyatt threatens to kill Paulie dangerously. And this. I guess this sets up the feud for the whole summer. Between Paulie dangerously. And Missy Hyatt. In certain arenas or in certain house shows they would have arm wrestling matches, which I thought was a uh, okay. Which Missy High would always win because she would show her cleavage to Paul. Paul lets guard down. That's how Missy would win her um, arm wrestling matches. So after that, we have one of my favorite matches a very young twenty year old Dustin Rhodes taking on Terrence Taylor. This is their rematch from Super Brawl. Dustin won that match all because of uh, Mr. Hughes accidentally hit Terrence Taylor in the face with a black glove. So, this was the rematch. It was pretty much the same match from their Super Brawl match. It was still fun, though. It amazed me. This took place in June. It amazed me how six months ago, back in January of nineteen ninety one, when both Dusty and Dustin were in the WWF at the Royal Rumble taking on Ted Biasi and Virgil. We all know Virgil was a what was was a swipe of Dusty Rhodes because Dusty's real name was Virgil Reynolds. And I remember Ted Biasi just bullying Dusty Dustin around and Dustin around bullying Dustin Rhodes around and Dustin not really getting getting any offense and not being able to do anything and Virgil and Teddy Biasi are just pushing him around and of course they win the match and we all know what happened from there Virgil turns on Teddy Biazer six months later Dustin Rhodes is booked to be dominant against certain people and you know what's mid card and Terrence Taylor is not the Terry Taylor of old back in the early eighties. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I man, you can call it nepotism, and yeah, his dad was buggy, but also Dustin was good. He was good for a 21 year old. He was good. He was good. I enjoyed watching the guy. So the match came to an end when Dustin Rhodes Bulldog Terrence Taylor. I think either Mr. Hughes jumped on the no, yeah, Mr. Hughes jumped on the apron. Dustin Rhodes goes after. Mr. Hughes throws some shots at him, gives him an elbow. And you can see Ricky Morton trying to sneak up on Dustin Rhodes. And when Dustin spots him, Ricky backs up. He says, hey, hey, I'm just here to help. And Mr. Hughes punches Dustin in the kidney. And while Dustin was down, Ricky Morton kicks Dustin Rhodes right smack dab in the face. (laughs) It looks like he really, 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 really caught him. And so Ricky Morton of the Rock Roll Express turns heel. Out of nowhere comes Big Josh with his axe handle and he hits Terrence Taylor and he goes after Ricky Morton. Swings the club but Ricky ducks and that ends that. Dustin wins on the DQ. Like I said, it was a fun match. Real fun. Real fast. Back and forth. Dustin doesn't lose anything from it. Terrence Taylor, I guess they're kind of I'm not gonna say they kept him strong, but him and the York Foundation. You know, I, I thought they could have done something with that group but but they didn't. Miss Alexandra York, we all know was Marlena. That went on to be Marlena for Goldust, Dustin Rhodes, as we mentioned. What a coincidence that was. Or coincidence that was that is. So, next up, do we have any more uh coming attractions? Oh yes. Another common attraction they showed was Johnny B. Bad. We all know as Mark Merrill. We all know Johnny B. Bad was supposed to be. What would Little Richard do when he was wrestling? And, be, and it was eerie because Johnny B. Bad, or aka Mark Merrill, looked a lot like Little Richard. And he was managed by Theodore R. Long. And I thought they made a good duel together. I liked that promo package, it was pretty good. I really liked it. Next up we have oh, the WCW Top Ten. I guess I can go down to ten to one here. So at that time the top ten was stunning Steve Austin. Number nine was the one man gang. Number eight was Barry Windham. Number seven, Arn Anderson. Number six the Sting. Number five was Nikita Koloff. Number four Bobby Eaton, number three, El Gigante, number two, the Great Muda, number one, Lex Luger, and we all know the world heavyweight champion at the time was Nature Boy Ric Flair. I miss the top ten. AEW does it, but they don't. You have to go on their website to look at it. They really don't talk about it much on their television program. That's something I do miss. I do miss the top ten. Coming up up next, we had Sting versus Nikita Koloff. This is where, after, I guess, he was out of the company, I guess, for three years. That was back in 88. Went to the AWA and then came back to WCW. During that time when he was gone, he, (laughs) remember he had that box haircut and he got off the gas (laughs) And then when he came back to WCW, he shaved his head, got back on the gas, and became a heel. This match was pretty much all Nikita Koloff. Nikita Koloff pretty much dominated Sting. Mind you, Nikita Koloff went came went to the ring first, and then Sting came to the ring. But he ran to the ring, and when he ran, when he got to the ring, Nikita Koloff pretty much beat him up. Was on the offense the first time he got into the ring. And like I said, this match was pretty much dominated by Nikita Koloff. Sting tried for a pile driver, but Nikita no sells the pile driver. And he pretty much works on Sting's ribcage throughout the whole match, throws him outside the ring, whips him, whips him into the guardrail. Nikita Koloff pretty much taunts the fans. And I did notice outside the ring, you see this little old lady holding up the uh, United States flag. Maybe wonder, is she really a fan or is she a plant? Because Nikita always kept pointing at her and yelling at her and all this stuff. Hmm, it just makes you wonder. wonder if she really was a plant. <laughs> but anyway, Nikita kept dominating and dominating. Nikita tried for a second Tombstone Power Driver Yes, he hit the first tombstone power driver on Sting. He tried for a second one. Sting reversed it, and he hit Nikita with the tombstone power driver. And Nikita was pretty much shook from that. He didn't bounce up this time. Uh, again, Nikita got on the offense, threw Sting th- to the outside again. Was about to whip into the guardrail. Sting reverses it, and Nikita goes back first into the rail. Sting finally gets on the offense. He goes for the stinger splash. However, Nikita gets out of the way, and as Tony Schiavone would say, I forgot it was Tony Schiavone or Jim Ross says, Nikita's arm is cocked for the Russian sickle. So Sting turns around. He was weary. Here comes Nikita, Nikita Kolov. Sting ducks. Nikita hits, hits the top turnbuckle. Hits his solar plexus, Sting rolls him up for a really, really fast three count. One, two, three. Again, Bill Alfonso refereed this match, and I said he's known for three counts. <laughs> and Sting got, Sting got out of the ring as fast as he could. Good match. That was a good match, even though, yes, I get it, Sting was the underdog during that match. But that match just kind of ends suddenly, even though it ended at 9 minutes and 27 seconds. Good match, though. Good match. It seems like the pin came out of nowhere, but I guess they're on the time crunch. Oh, boy. I forgot about this one. Coming up next, Tony uh, Tony Schiavone was in the ring and he was going to interview, well, he is interviewing PN News and Salt and Pepper. And of course, PN News is rapping to the ring. One thing I'll say about this segment it was good to see Salt and Pepper. I was a big fan of them, even though I was a bigger fan of Spinderella, of that group. just seemed weird for them to be in WCW. You would think they'd be in WWF. Well, well they were during that whole Lawrence Taylor thing, Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow, but this was back in 91. Then they go to WWE in '95 in that WrestleMania match, WrestleMania 11, I believe. Yeah, but anyway, that was his posse, I guess. And out of nowhere comes Johnny B. Badd and Theodore R. Long. Theodore R. Long gets into the ring and talks about how PN News is not a rap master. Johnny B. Badd is the original rap master. And Johnny B. Badd calls PN, New- PN News a big, ugly bear. I said, eh, okay. And, of course, PN News pushes Johnny B. Bad and... <laughs> Johnny B. Bag gets mad, acts like he's going to throw down. And the segment just ends with uh, PN News Music playing. Thank God that was over. I guess no harm, no foul. Didn't really do it for me. Next up, we have a loser-leave-town match between Flying Brian Pillman and Elegante versus Arn Anderson and Barry Windham. Now, for months, I'd say this match took place, like I said, in June. But this all started at Wrestle War. So I would say March, April, May, June. Four months ago. Four months of feuding. Ever since the Four Horsemen hurt Brian Pillman in the war games. This was back where, for some odd reason, Sid tried, Sid Vicious tried to powerbomb Brian Pillman. And Brian Pillman's feet got caught up in the cage. And... (laughs) Sid just drops Brian on the back of his neck, and you can hear Dusty saying, oh, baby, oh, my God. It was a it was a brutal bump. So ever since then, Brian Pillman has been on the mission to dismantle the four horsemen, even though the horsemen were kind of dismantled at the time. Everybody went their separate ways. And he targeted Barry Wyndham. They had a taped fist match back at Super Brawl. And now that was a good match. I mean, both of their faces were taped. Both of them were bleeding. But the match ended with Barry Windham scoring a low blow and then hitting Brian Pillman with a superplex. That was a good match. So this time, it was a lose to town match. And Ellie Gante, we all know, was, I guess he was 7 feet, 7 inches tall, a.k.a. Giant Gonzalez when he went to the WWF in 93, I believe, Feuded against, feuded against The Undertaker. Highlights of the match was uh, Flying Bryan jumped off Elegante's shoulders and hits Barry Windham. That got a pop out of the fans. Luckily for Barry Windham, Arn Anderson was in there to break up the counts. Uh, it's, it's, I, I lost track who was the legal man in this match because it just went by so Fast. Arn Anderson was was Arn Anderson in the ring? No, Barry Windham was in the ring, and somehow Brian Pillman power slammed Barry Windham. I guess he was billed at six six, and he was going to the top rope, and I think Arn Anderson tripped him up. And it looks like Barry Barry Windham. It looks like Brian Pillman took a header, and. Arn Anderson gets out of the ring, and El puts the iron claw on Arn Anderson, not paying attention, not seeing what's going on, what's happening to his tag team partner Brian Pillman. So Barry Windom, he's in the corner, backs up, gets a running start, and pretty much boots Brian Pillman in the face and pins him one, two, three. I mean, which was funny because there were two girls in the front row holding up Brian Pillman signs. We love you, Brian Pillman. And when he got pinned, you could see the two girls hysterically just being shocked and being gassed. (laughs) They couldn't believe it. I mean, they, they couldn't believe it so much that they left for a while during the next match and didn't come back to... Much later on during the show. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, (laughs) that was hilarious. (laughs) Oh. They were so heartbroken that Brian had to leave WCW, even though he didn't. He came back as the yellow dog. We've seen that before in old territories. But that image right there, when I saw that, I just laughed. I just laughed because at that time I was one I can't say I, I, I was a smart fan but I did like the bad guys more than the good guys at this time so hey good for Barry them. good for Arne Anderson they won the match another fast match unfortunately match was only 3 minutes and 8 seconds like I said everything was hurry up hurry up hurry up next match one of my favorite matches on the card was for the IWGP Tag Team Championship match. The Stanner Brothers defending, defending their titles, titles against Hiroshi Hase and Masahiro Chono. As we all know, became the leader of NWO Japan or Team Wolf back in the late 80s, early 90s. That's where the whole NWO storyline came from. They got it from Japan. Now I look forward to this match because I know Hiroshi Hiroshi Hase can wrestle. At this time Chona was still young and young in the business. And then here come the Sound Brothers and all the girls like the Sound Brothers. And Man, how long has Scott been on the juice? I mean, even back then. Even before he became big Papa Pump, the guy was a fucking freak, man. A fuck I mean he was cut. He was a freak. He was he was athletic. <laughs> Had the mullet, <laughs> but this 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 was a this was a great match. This was a really really fun match, especially especially between Hiroshi Hase and uh, Scott Steiner, because Hiroshi Hase would do moves, move for move or, or match move for, or match move for move with Scott Steiner. He would do like a a reverse crescent kick, as Jim Ross would say. And, of course, instead of capitalizing on his offensive maneuver, he looks into the crowd and gloats. And out of nowhere, Scott Sanna grabs him and throws him overboard, kind of like a, uh, I can't call it a follow away slam, maybe an over top of an overhead suplex takeover. <laughs> and I don't know if he was loopy or he knew how to sell good, but Hiroshi Haas said the moment he hit the mat, it seemed like he tried to get back up, and he was dizzy, so he fell back down. I don't know. That was a pretty, pretty good sell job. That, w- that was pretty good. And then Chono gets into the ring, and this is where the Stunners did one of their fantastic double moves. Scott Stunner picks him up onto his back like a reverse backbreaker, and Rick Stunner does an elbow, an elbow off the top rope onto the guy. It was a pretty good double team maneuver, and Rick Steiner takes Chono, throws him against the rope. Rick Steiner puts his head down, and Chono hits one of his kicks. This was before they called it the Mafia kick, but he kicked Steiner right smack in the head, that it broke his uh, headgear, and that looked pretty stiff. And Masahiro Chono just kept kicking Stunner right in the face. Stunner comes back off the ropes and hits a Stunner line. As the match continues, he tags in Scott Stunner and he tags in Hiroshi Hase. He, th- he whips Hiroshi Hase into the ropes and catches him with a, I mean, a really, really, really stiff Stunner line or a line. I mean, you can hear it. And then he does the tilt the world plus. Picks up Hiroshi Hase to the top rope and does a super belly-to-belly suplex from the top rope. Chono breaks up the count. And then Hiroshi Hase somehow gets up and uh, I guess he kind of jumps Steiner from behind, throws him outside to the ring. But Scott Steiner uh, catches him, rams rams his head into the steel railing and does a superplex. No, I'm sorry, not a super, just a plain suplex, but that would be badass, though. If he did a superplex to the floor from the turnbuckle, that would be badass, but no, he just did a suplex to the floor while he was on the outside, not while he was on the apron, you know, just a regular suplex while he was on the floor. This happened while, this was going on while Rick Steiner was in the STF, and Scott Steiner went to the top rope, but he tripped. (laughs) <laughs> off the top rope. He literally tripped. You can see him trip. Missed he I, he was aiming for Chono to break up the hold, but he regained his balance and he broke up the hold. Chono Chono sold it of course. As the match goes on, they double teamed the Japanese team double double team Scott Steiner. First they double clotheslining, lining and then they went for another I guess double clothesline, the old bit where both they miss and both members come off the ropes, but Scott Steiner, or not Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner grabs Chono's leg, and then out of nowhere, Scott Steiner does the Frankensteiner. One, two, three, and it's over. But But out of nowhere, here come these two guys that's wearing... Cowboy boots, jeans, and I guess one of those button-down denim shirts. It was Dick Slater and Dick Murdoch. They were called the hardliners. And they pretty much beat the piss out of Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner. This This match was unique because this was the match where Scott Steiner tore a bicep. He tore his bicep. And I'm looking at the match, and I'm trying to see where exactly did he tear a bicep. Because if he did tear a bicep, he showed showed no signs of it. Scott Steiner must be one tough son of a bitch if he was still that and kept on going. But anyway, the the hardliners kept beating up the Steiner brothers and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, huh, the Steiner brothers versus Dick Murdoch and Dick Slater. That would be interesting because we heard stories about Dick Murdoch and, well, yeah, him being involved with the clan and all that stuff. That's what the Junkyard Dog said. And we all know uh, Dick Slater is known to be super tough where he gave Sting a swirly because he thought he was uh, messing with Dark Journey at the time. This was back when Dark Journey and uh, Dick Slater were dating. Damn, Dark Journey was kind of cute. I like Dark Journey. I like the name <laughs> Dark Journey. That's an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, but he gave Sting a swirling because he thought Sting was uh, messing around with um, Dark Journey. But I'm thinking there's no way that if that match ever came to be, there's no way that Dick's there's no way that Dick Slater and Dick Murdoch are gonna take a a tilt the world, let alone the Frankensteiner. I just don't see that happening. But unfortunately, with Scott Steiner being hurt with a torn bicep, that pretty much through a wrench in their plans, and this was when WCW got confusing. Because at that point in time I didn't know who were the baby faces and who were the heels because they were putting baby faces versus baby face and heels versus heels and the hardliners got lost in the shuffle. It, it was just a total clusterfuck during that summer of ninety or during that summer of ninety one. It was just I couldn't understand it. I couldn't get it. More coming attractions, of course, was they did a, a profile on the Diamond Stud, a.k.a. Scott Hall, managed by, of course, Diamond Dallas Page. Now, this, one, this is when Scott, well, Scott, Scott Hall has always been big, but he was here, he was just huge. I mean, big. But when he got to the WWF in 92, 93, he he was more he was more slim, more slim down, more cut. But here he was just a big, big dude, a big, intimidating dude. And I'm kind of kind of amazed that as a heel faction they really didn't go anywhere. I mean, you had the Freebirds, Jim and Jim Garvin, Michael Hayes and Bad Street. And now you have Scott Hall. The Diamond Stud, DDP's your manager, and you have Big Daddy Dink. <laughs> what a name. Who was Oliver Humberdink? But that could have been one hell of a heel faction if they played their cards right. But again, I don't know why, but during that summer, the Freebirds flip-flopped back and forth between Babyface and Hill. So who the hell knew what was going on back in 99? And I guess this was one of Jim Hurd's things. Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea what was going on. And speaking of the Diamond Stud, his next match was was against Tommy Rich. It was only two minutes. It was uh, it was pretty much Scott Hall, the AKA the Diamond Stud, just dominating Tommy Rich the whole time. It was pretty much a squash match. Tommy Rich had a a couple of hope spots. I guess he would. He grabs Scott Hall by the head and rammed his head into the turnbuckle a couple times. Whipped him out of a corner, but uh, the diamond stub reverses it. Tommy Rich jumps on the turnbuckle, jumps off, went for a cross body block. Scott Hall gets out of the way, sets him up for the DDD, the diamond death drop, a.k.a. the razor's edge, a.k.a. the outsider's edge. Beat him, one, two, three, and that, that was that. That was the end for that. Then they had their, WCW had the contest as, I think it was called, the Sting Lookalike Contest. I want to, so they brought out this kid and had the same face painted Sting on. And want to, just want to know, was this kid a plant also? His name was Ben. He said he was from Knoxville, Tennessee. They get a rise out of the fans. And because Jim Ross says because he won the lookalike contest is that he's going to be able to meet his favorite star. And out of nowhere, and out of nowhere, I can't say out of nowhere, but running down the aisle comes Sting, <laughs> and Ben looks shocked as hell. He high-fives Ben, puts him on his shoulder, picks him up, and then out of nowhere, yeah, out of nowhere again, comes Nikita Koloff with the chain wrapped around his um, arm, gives him the Russian sickle, beats up Sting, and I don't know what Nikita was doing, but it looks like he's trying to rub off the face paint of Sting, face paint, a Sting. Then he goes after Ben, and I guess Ben's mother jumps over the guardrail and protects Ben, puts her body on the line. <laughs> what was funny was Jim Ross. He kept he waving his hand and saying, "Get back!" I said, "Yeah, Jim, that's really gonna work." And Tony and Tony Giovanni, you could tell in his voice, he's really trying to sell it. He said, "Wait a minute, Nikita's going after that youngster." <laughs> and here and here comes uh, Doug Dellinger, the old security guard from WCW, trying to get Nikita out of the way and all that stuff, and. Sting, or Sting, yeah, Sting's laying there. Ben checks on Sting to see if he was all right. So at that point in time, you knew that the whole Nikita Koloff and Sting beef was not over yet. They meet again at the Grand American Bash, which happened on July 19th in 1991. After that, of course, after that, we had the number one contenders match between the total package Lex Luger and the great Muda. So, I said the top 10 earlier, this was number one, taken on number two. And, of course, during the whole match, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone kept talking about Lex Luger needs to avoid great Muda because of the great miss, the great miss, the great miss, the great miss. And you're thinking, okay, we get it. He's going to use the great Mist on Lex Luger. I mean, they kept saying it 10,000 times. And basically, I wouldn't say. I think this was pretty much a back and forth match between Luger and uh, Muda. And of course, Luger had to do one of his. For some reason, reason, Luger loves to do these high elbows, where he would jump ten feet up in the air and drop an elbow. But this time, he would miss. Muda gets out of the way. Muda would go for his signature, one of his signature moves, the handspring elbow elbow into the corner. This was unique because Luger moves out of the way, and Muda does the handspring elbow over, over the top rope and onto the floor. And I'm thinking, was that planned or not? I think it was planned because right away, right away, you can see the Japanese photographer Give, gives great Muda, hands him something, hands him that stuff that makes him spray the mist in people's faces. You can literally see him handing, handing great Muda something. So the camera had to take away from that, had to get, a, get away from that angle right away. Lex Luger gets Muda, tries to suplex it from the outside in. Muda lands on his feet, and you can see Muda adjust his neck. He blows the mist on Lex Luger, but Luger gets his arm up. So Muda gets, uh, runs off the ropes. Luger ducks a closed line, and Muda catch, or Muda, Luger catches Muda into a power slam. Another fast, Bill Alfonso, one, two, three. And it's now set in stone that Luger will meet Ric Flair at the Great American Bash in 91. Coming up next, we saw, I think it was another uh, coming attraction. Yes. Before he was stone cold, he was stunning Steve Austin. Another stunning Steve Austin. Uh, no, I like this one. I would like this coming attraction because this was back when Steve Austin had the long blonde hair, had the, uh, the red ring robe. He was a big dude. He was more cut. And he had Lady Blossom. AKA Jeannie Clark, back when they were both in, uh, I guess was wasn't world class anymore. It was USWA, United States Wrestling Association, the Texas. Yeah, because I remember him, I remember Steve Austin and Jeannie Clark feuding with Chris Adams and, uh, and I think her name was Tony. Tony Adams. I remember that feud. And then they jumped to WCW. Yeah. They showed the highlight of that, and you knew rather than there, Steve Austin was going to be something special. I so, said, yep, that guy right there, that guy. And speaking of Steve Austin, he had a match with Jumpin' Joey Mags. and this match <laughs> was, what, 30 seconds long? I mean, they, they lock up, and Austin throws rights and forearms on Jumpin' Joey Maggs, and he hits Joey Mags with the stun gun, aka the hot shot that Eddie Gilbert used to do, where he would catch you off the ropes, or he catch you off yeah, off the ropes, and drops you throat first on top of the rope. But this came from Steve Austin, but he called it the stun gun. And that was it. That was the end of the squash match. Thirty seconds. That's all he needed. Another coming attraction was Black Blood. <laughs> it was also managed by Kevin Sullivan. Black Blood was really Billy Jack Haynes under a mask. He looked like a, I guess he was supposed to be an executioner. He carried a big axe to the ring like the Night Stalker used to do when the Night Stalker was um, Adam Bomb, a.k.a. Brian Adams, a.k.a. Wrath. Y'all get the idea. Yeah, but this was Billy Jack Haynes under a mask. Called himself Black Blood. and (laughs) After the match, he looked into the... Cameron said, it's black blood. <laughs> that could have been a cool character. I thought he was kind of a cool character, but but what did they do with him? He had a match against Big Josh a month later at the Grand American Bash. And what happens? They did all that hype for him and coming attractions on him, and he loses to Big Josh. So that was enough. So that was it. So I guess his push was the pushed. I didn't get that one. I figured that black blood would go over, but at the Grand American Bash, she lost. So that coming attraction was pointless. And then coming up next, we had a segment with the York Foundation and introduces their newest member, Richard Morton. Yes, Richard Morton. Not Ricky Morton, Richard Morton. So Richard Morton walks out there with a suit, still has the blonde mullet He comes into the ring. He shakes hands with uh, Alexandra York, Terry Reynolds, a.k.a. Marlena. He he also shakes hands with Mr. Hughes, Terrence Terrence Taylor, or Terry Taylor, or Terrence Taylor he's now called, the computerized man. Gets on the mic, and Richard Morton says that this is the greatest moment of his life and his greatest opportunity because now that he's signed with the York Foundation, That means he doesn't have to sign any more autographs. And out of nowhere, again, out of nowhere, comes Robert Gibson, and he gets into the ring, and he's asking Ricky Morton, hey, what's your deal, man? I try to call you. You never return my calls. I'm ready to rock and roll. Hey, we've been four-time world tag team champions. What's the deal? And Ricky Morton says, or Richard Morton, says, what is the deal? The deal is money. And Big Money talks. And then at that point in time, here comes Mr. Hughes, here comes Terrence Taylor, and Richard Morton kind of steps in between them and says, no, 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 that's not in the contract. No, that's not in the contract. Then Richard Morton grabs Robert Gibson and says, you know, Robert, I waited 10 years to do this. He sucker punches Robert Gibson and then drives him and starts kicking him. And here comes... Dustin Rhodes making the save, and Jim Ross sounds disgusted that Ricky Morton would turn his back on Robert Gibson. That at that time that was pr- that was pretty much a hot feud, because I was shocked that Ricky Morton played the chicken shit heel role so well, and he did, he did. The fans really got behind Robert Gibson; they really wanted to see Robert Gibson get his hands on Ricky Morton. I'm really surprised the fans got none of it. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good food while it lasted. didn't last long, but it was good for what it was. Next up was the main event. Two out of three fall match between Ninja Boy Ric Flair versus beautiful Bobby Eaton. And they built it as, well, Ric Flair was the world champion, and Bobby Eaton was the world television champion, which was weird at the time because prior before this match, he lost the TV title to Steve Austin. Because if you look at the coming attractions of Steve Austin, when he undoes his robe, you can literally see the TV title around Steve Austin's waist. <laughs> Gotta love WCW editing. And I'm thinking, man, they couldn't, they couldn't keep the belt on Bobby Eaton longer than three weeks? I mean, he won the belt at Super Brawl Against um, Arn Anderson, and he couldn't hold it no longer than three weeks, really. I mean, I'm, I'm I get it. You're trying to get Steve Austin over. I get that. He's a new star. You want to get him over. You want to establish who he is. But Bob Eaton was a great underdog story. A guy who was in tag team wrestling for a long time. No Jim Cornette. No Stan Lane. He's on his own, and he finally wins a single title. And just like that. Loses it to Steve Austin. Oh, well. That's a shame. I thought I should have held it a little longer. So, first of all, we had Bobby Eaton and Ric Flair pretty much testing each other out. Not rushing to anything. Of course, Ric Flair would do his usual woos. And before that, remember Ric Flair had the 2001 Odyssey song? Nope. Nope. He didn't have that anymore. He had a song from Spartacus, Cut His Hair Short. The thing that, it was just weird. I said, Rick Flair with short hair and the Spartacus theme song coming to the ring like that. Okay. I mean, he still had the role, but it was just weird. But anyway, like I said, they were testing each other out. Rick Flair would do his usual chops, and Bobby Eaton had that dangerous, dangerous right hand. And. One move that I liked is that Bobby Eaton put Ric Flair in the short-arm scissors. Now I'm surprised that uh, Ric would sell that, but he did. He sold it. He sold it good. And, of course, they go out to the floor, and Ric Flair would do his backing up. Ric Flair would get into the ring first, and here comes Bobby Eaton. And, of course, Ric Flair catches him with a knee. That's Yeah, catches him with a knee. And then as the match went on, the first fall went on. Bobby Eaton caught Ric Flair with a swinging neck breaker. Bobby goes to the top, to the top rope and drops the Alabama Slam, which is a leg drop. Alabama, I'm not Alabama Slam, I'm sorry. Alabama leg drop. He does the leg, top leg drop on the Ric Flair. Beats him for the first fall. At first I'm thinking, okay. I mean, I knew they weren't going to take the belt off of Flair, but to see Bobby Eaton have a visual pin and actually pin Ric Flair again the, the first fall was like, oh, that's surprising. That's kind of nice. I didn't expect the match to go that way. Second fall starts, and Ric Flair is really reeling. Bobby Eaton's all over Ric Flair, and he does another neck breaker. Bobby Eaton wants to go to the top rope. Ric Flair gets up, but Bobby Eaton gets down from the top rope and gives him a straight right hand. Bobby Eaton goes back to the top rope. Ric Flair gets up, shakes the rope. Bobby Eaton loses his balance and falls from the turnbuckle all the way to the arena floor. And you can see Bobby Eaton holding his, holding his leg like he delivered a knee drop from the top rope to the floor. And of course, the third fall starts and Ric Flair takes advantage of the knee, beats up the knee, and of course, Bobby Eaton had some hope spots. But in the end, Ric Flair puts on the figure four, grabs the ropes, and he gets pinned one, two, three. Ric Flair retains the title, and I guess the match was supposed to be set for the Grand American Bash. Ric Flair versus Lex Luger. And... Yeah, that was it for the Clash of the Champions, 15. Overall, I mean, it wasn't a bad pay-per-view, like I said, but they were in hurry-up mode, so every match felt rushed. Favorite match for me, uh, I like the Steiner Brothers versus uh, Hiroshi Hase and Masahiro Chono because I was a big Steiner Brother fan back in the day. I guess this was WCW's answer to the Road Wars because the Road Wars went on to the WWF at the time, and they had a book to Steiner Strong. And, yeah, at that time, I remember back in high school, the Steiner Brothers were the talk of the town. We talked about the Steiner Brothers all the time, especially Scott Steiner doing his Frankensteiner. That was a big move back then, a guy that size doing the Frankensteiner. Jeez and doing all the, and all the crazy moves that the Steiner brothers would do, the belly the, the belly the belly suplex from the top rope, tilt the world suplex, course the Steiner line. They would do the bulldog from the top rope, while I think Scott Steiner would put an opponent on his shoulders and Rick Steiner would jump off the top rope and do the bulldog, top rope bulldog, or they would do a top rope DDT, which is insane. I think I think this time where Rick puts an opponent on his shoulders and then Scott Steiner would grab the opponent's head and, and would do a DDT from the top rope. Like I said, really really crazy crazy moves that they would do. Crazy moves. And unfortunately after this um Clash of the Champions, that was Rick Flair's last match in WCW until 1993. Apparently, him and Jim Hurd got into it, and Ric Flair left. Ric Flair left the promotion, and I thought that left kind of a big void. I remember Sid Vicious. I mean, regardless how you feel about Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious left left to go to the WWE, and Ric Flair left to go to the WWE. F at the time. And I'll never forget that. I think I was watching Wrestling Challenge, and I would see... At the start of the, start of the program, Gorilla Monsoon, along with Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now that just think back, now that I think back, it's unbelievable that all three of those guys have passed away. Gorilla Monsoon, Jim Neidhart, and Bobby Heenan, they all passed away. That's unbelievable. But anyway, at the start of the program, you see Bobby the Brain Heenan holding something. He takes it out of the bag. And it's Ric Flair's gold, big WCW gold belt. And I'm thinking, holy shit. They brought the big gold belt into WWF territory. And Bobby Heenan's saying, let's talk about the real world champion Ric Flair. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa. That's big. That was big. That was big. And, of course, we we would see promos of the arrival of also Sid Vicious. At that time, he was called Sid Justice, which I I hated that damn name. Hated it. But that was huge. That was huge. And of course, the Great American Bash in WCW was a, a clusterfuck. So since Ric Flair wasn't there in the main event, it was Lex Luger versus Barry Windham for the vacant WCW title at the time. And the fans were yelling, We want flair, we want flair, we want flair. And this is where they did the double turn in this match. Luger, beca- Luger became the heel. Barry Windham became the good guy. Out of nowhere came, down the aisle came Harley Race and Mr. Hughes, which later on would become Lex Luger bodyguard and manager. He would have an entourage. It was like I said, it was very, very confusing after that because you didn't know who was Hill and who was a babyface. I would see matches between the Freebirds against the York Foundation. And I'm thinking, okay, who's the babyface? Who's the Hill? Or I would see the enforcers, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco, against the Hardliners, Dick Murdoch and Dick Slater. Or sometimes I would see the Hardliners versus the Freebirds. I'm thinking, okay. Okay. Things didn't really get better ma- until the next Clash of Champions. That's when well, I can No, I can't say that it got better around. Not the next Clash of Champions. Not the Fall Brawl. But the one, bef- the one after Halloween Havoc. Because even though WCW lost Ric Flair and they lost Sid Vicious, they gained on that, on that, on that Clash of Champions. The game Rick and the Dragon Steamboat and the game Rick Rude. And Rick Rude was a great foil for staying. I always liked Rick Rude and I liked Rick Steamboat. I thought that was two good gets on WCW's part. I mean, they weren't Rick Flair, but it worked. It worked for them. It worked. Rick Steamboat's a good worker, and so is Rick Rude. Rick Rude made a good heel. But anyway, that was a good. That was a. That was the Clash of Champions 15. One of those old memories. Hard to believe this was back in 1991. Hard to believe that. My goodness. Tessa Blanchard fired. Sky Genius says Tessa Blanchard got fired. Man. Now, they were to fire Joshua Matthews. Impact would be watchable and listenable again. Wow. Is that true? Did Tessa Blanchard get fired? Man. (laughs) G-Wiz says He's good but he's no firebreaker chip Oh good lord (laughs) Oh god Firebreaker chip (laughs) I remember them (laughs) I gotta admit though I did like his partner Todd Champion He was a big dude He was a big dude Yeah who booked this shit Dusty Rhodes booked this shit G-Wiz He booked it (laughs) This was all him he booked this clash of champions. That's what he did. <laughs> hey, what can I say? 1991 was a different different animal, different ball game at the time. So coming up next, I guess it's time for my uh, promo of the week. This promo take, goes back to 1996, right where Hulk Hogan joins the NWO. And this was back when NWO was doing their uh, paid service service announcements. Something like that. One of those NWO segments. The following announcement is paid for by the new ward order. (laughs) And then Hulk Hogan uh, comes on there. This is one of Hulk Hogan's good promos. When he was a heel, this was big because we weren't No, hold on. Let me take that back. Nobody was used to seeing Hogan being a heel. Nobody. So when Hogan became a heel, this was some major, major shit. Him, Hall, and Nash. And, yeah, you could say the big show, the giant. I think they should have kept it as those three. And then NWO had to add Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, which I like Scott Norton, to add Virgil. They had they add all kind of people to the NWL. I mean, it got Macho Man. Add all kind of people. Just wondering what would happen if it just stayed with Hall, Nash, and Hogan. I mean, I, I was okay with the Giant because Giant was a big dude. But they kept adding more people and more people and more people over the years. They had Kurt Henning and Rick Rude and Scott Steiner. It was Now, Scott Steiner, he'd fit. He would fit. Like I said before, I always liked the team of Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell. I thought they were hilarious together. But when they split them up, I'm like, oh, shit. In 99, that was one of the good moments in 99 in WCW. Those guys, those two were fucking hilarious. But no, nah, no, nah, let's just split them up. Let's just split them up. Buff Bagwell became a, let's face it, a baby face. Eh, no. He was better as a heel. A much, much better heel. Yeah, but anyway, this was one of Hogan's first segments when he was with the New World Order, the NWO. So here's the Hulkster.
2: Announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world is a stage now. Man, we look up there. We're styling, man. We don't have to sneak around anymore. We don't have to hide in the shadows. The NWO. Way to go, guys. We are the champions of the world. We've got the NWO belt. (laughs) We left the giant land, and now the whole WCW is going to fall at our feet. We hit a home run. After I beat that big, nasty giant to the WCW belt and turned it into our belt, you know, the NWO belt, he was crying. And then a couple days later, I beat the so-called dirtiest player in the game. (laughs) He was crying too. The WCW, the world crybaby wrestlers, doesn't work anymore. In war games! With the WCW's finest. The so-called establishment of the WCW. In the cage with us, brother. Sting will be stung. Woo! All my little stingers. Just doesn't work anymore. Luger will be hung. Flair won't even be there. Woo! In styling and profiling. You shouldn't brag about that. In Arn... Won't be on anymore, brother. Because the NWO will take care of all the NWO business on that day. It's just gonna change with the times, man. But when we get you in the cage, brothers... We're going to bring you up to speed, just like my two friends brought me up to speed. I know what works now. you got to take what you want. you got to bond together for business reasons only. (laughs) Sting, Ullga, Arn, and Flair. The way you guys bonded, the way you guys made a deal, it was touching. (laughs) It made me cry a little bit, but it was real real weak. I mean, to see you guys out there appeasing each other, talking about what you've been through together, about the old days in the WCW. Well, you know what? Times have changed. What you gonna do in war games when the N-W-O destroys you? Anything less would be civilized. <laughs> The preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order.
3: You know, (laughs) I know it's corny, but when Hogan does that, that maniac laugh at the end. (laughs) That was pretty funny. (laughs) does that crazy. It's pretty forced, but man, that was one hell of a crazy ass laugh. But, yeah, that was Hogan at the peak. Not at the peak. This was the beginning when he joined the NWO, when they're doing this. The preceding announcements has been paid for by the New World Order.
4: (laughs) Damn,
0: I miss
3: 1996. I really do. Back when wrestling was fun. Now Now it pretty much sucks. It's hard, especially after all these scandals that are going on. Ugh. Really, really bad. And speaking of bad, let's talk about, not saying it's a bad show, but it wasn't. Let's talk about the ratings, which really, really surprised me. NXT beat AEW in the ratings. NXT had 786,000 viewers compared to AEW that only had 633,000 viewers. I can't recall NXT winning big like that Not in a long time I mean, wow that's, that's shocking to me Because AEW It really wasn't a bad show I thought it was a good show It wasn't a great show, but it was a good show Man The only thing I could think of, of Why the big dip From last week Probably because of these scandals Of the Joey Rhines and the Marty Scurlls; these are ho- these happen to be friends of being the elite. All these AEW guys. So, could that be it? Is that a reason why that the AEW faithful decided not to watch because it wasn't this low last week? I mean, last week was was huge. I mean, wow, huge. Considering last week, AEW had. 772,000 views and they dropped to 633,000. That's okay. <laughs> that's that's remarkable. Yeah, things are bad in wrestling these days. I mean, you have this, you also have WWE with this whole COVID virus, their wrestlers becoming affected. I heard Renee Young got affected and this. This prompted her her, uh, her husband, John Moxley, not to be at AEW because he thought he had it too. Adam Pierce, he has it. Kyla Braxton, this is her second time getting COVID. Not once. She beat it once, she caught it twice. I guess she thought that she couldn't catch it again. I don't know, but I mean. How do you catch COVID twice? I mean, I know you could catch it twice. Don't get me wrong, but did she think that she was invincible? Well, I caught it. I guess I'm immune now. No, you can catch it again. Just like colds. I mean, just like colds. I caught a cold. I've done that before. I got a cold. This this happened back in 2012 where I caught a cold in January. And then caught another cold in February. So, yeah, it's you can do that. I don't know if she felt. I got a job to do. I gotta make money. Gotta pay my bills. But I don't know. That's just that's just weird. That's just that's not just weird, but it's sad. Really, really sad. But let's go down the uh, what happened on Wednesday on the AEW. I know people like Sula Monster talked about FTR and SCU. Having a great tag team match, and yes, it was a great tag team match, but it wasn't my favorite tag team match in the night. I don't know if Sky Gene watched AEW, but he may have liked that match, but it wasn't mine. That might have been his favorite match. For for me, my favorite match was Luchasaurus versus Wardlow in a lumberjack match, because you see two big six foot five guys literally beating the hell out of each other. And I knew what Luchasaurus could do, but it's pretty obvious that this was a showcase of Wardlow and what he can do because the majority of this match, even though they were beating the fuck out of each other, Wardlow was really, really giving it to the Luchasaurus. I mean, really giving it to him. And to me, the Lumberjacks weren't much help I remember one, I think Wardlow would knock down Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus rolled to the outside by by the baby faces and the baby faces did nothing. They just stepped back. And I get it, yes, they're baby faces. I don't want to beat up my boy, but you know, at least show some effort and see how like pick him up, hey, 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 how you doing? And shove him back into the ring gently. So Wardlow decided to go over there and say, what the fuck are you guys doing? And nobody would touch him until Marco Stunt tried to get at uh, Wardlow. I'll talk about Marco Stunt in a minute. They go back into the ring, and they're beating the hell out of each other. Once again, they go outside the ring, and (laughs) Wardlow catches Marco Stunt. (laughs) And, man, he launched it. I'm talking Wardlow launched Marco Stunt. I mean, just... Threw him in the air. That's like saying, that's like Jordan getting the basketball or somebody on the playground grabbing a basketball or G-Wiz grabbing a basketball, shooting it and saying, Jordan, <laughs> I mean, he threw, he threw Marco stood high in the air, high in the air from the stage all the way to the floor. It's a good thing wrestlers were there to catch him, but man, the air time this little guy got. But he's getting, man, hope the money's worth it, but damn. But in the end, Wardlow hits the F-10 where he picks up Luchasaurus, spins him around and throws him and pins him one, two, three. I guess the F-10 is the answer to Brock Lesnar's F-5. But anyway, I like the match. Two big guys beating the hell out of each other. Great. I liked it. Liked it. Like I said... The FT, FTR and SCU, that was a good match. I enjoyed that match, too. For some reason, wasn't my favorite match of the night. It just wasn't. You know what? I'm really trying to get into the FTR. I really am. Don't get me wrong. When I see them in the ring and I see them wrestle, I really enjoy them working. But when they walk to the ring from their truck, I just, eh, I don't know. I mean, I get it. They're supposed to be an old-school tag team, and this is a tag team I should have liked. But when they walk to the ring, they have no – they're just – I don't know. There's nothing to them. They just walk to the ring. That's pretty much it. They remind me of um, NXT's Oni Lorican and Danny Birch. You know, they just walk to the ring. There's nothing to them. But once they get inside the ring, they work – I enjoy their work. I mean, I do like watching the wrestle, but I don't know. It feels like there's something missing, just something missing. And, of course, after the match, they beat SCU, and you can see the Butcher and the Blade steal their truck, and out of nowhere comes the Lucha Bros, and they fight FTR. And then the Butcher and Blade double teams them. So it's pretty much, what is it here? I guess four on two. And out comes the Young Bucks who saves the FTR. Make the save while the Butcher and the Blade, along with the Lucha Bros, steal (laughs) FTR's truck. (laughs) They steal their truck and that's it. Uh, What else happened on that? Oh, yeah. We saw a tag team between Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela taking on Brody Lee and, uh, oh, God, Colt Cabana. Uh, huh, what can I say about this? Got to admit, Joey Janela and Sunny Kiss, they do make a good tag team. They really, really, really do. But this match was all about Colt Cabana. And will he or won't he join the Dark Order? They win the match. After Brody Lee hits the discus clothesline, and he tells Colt to cover. Who did he pin? I can't remember. If he pinned Janelle or Sunny Kiss. But anyway, go ahead and pin him. They, he, Colt pins him. And he's happy. Lee, see, I told you, you won the match. So I guess the storyline's gonna keep going. Does Colt Cabana join the Dark Order or not? And they're backstage, and Brody Lee's talking to Colt Cabana, and saying, "See, you won the match." This is what happens when you join the Dark Order. You become a winner. You start winning. And so Colt, you know, he's happy. He said, yeah, you're right. And that leads to they're going to have a match next week against another tag team. Can't think about who the tag team is at the moment. Maybe I can look it up real quick here. Let me look it up for you guys. Let me see. Did, 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 did. Let's look it up here. Looking up, look it up. Looking at the results. <laughs> nope. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a... S- of course they had that press conference between... Cody and Jake Hager Can he be called Cody Rhodes now? I mean, I heard that WWE didn't trademark the Rhodes name. So, if that's the case, can we just call him Cody Rhodes instead of just Cody? But Cody and Jake Hager uh it felt like a actually G wish should like this because it looked like a an MMA press conference, pretty much. It was set up like an M- MMA press conference, and Cody's talking about how he likes wrestling, wrestling's in his blood. He's not a cosplay wrestler. He's not any other type of wrestler. Makes you wonder, if was that a dig at the Young Bucks? Because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega do sometimes wrestle in characters. I do remember that one time they wrestled in Street Fighter gear, And it made you wonder. I wonder if Cody is going to be a heel. Just out of curiosity. Because he keeps holding up the four fingers. The four fingers. The four fingers. Which means the four horsemen. And Jason. Solomon said it best. There was a rumor about Cody turning heel. And he's going to join FTR. Along with Sean Spears. So they're going to have Arn join him. Along with Telly Blanchard. And I guess this is supposed to be a setup for... Darby Allen to finally beat Kobe or Kobe. <laughs> Kobe. Oh, rest in peace, Kobe. Or Cody for the World Television TNT or TNT title. Honestly, if you watch Being the Elite, this is kind of set up for Adam Page because back when Adam Page was going through his funk after he failed to win the AEW title from Jericho, he was in the funk and Adam Page was walking the hallway. Cody stops him. And Cody asks him, how's he doing? And Cody says, hey, if you're thinking about walking down that dark path, let me tell you, don't do it. It's not worth it. And of course, Page says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. So if Cody does turn heel, Adam Page can just say, well, wait a minute. So you mean, you're telling me do what you say. So I should do what you say, but not as you do. Huh. You tell me not to turn hill, but you turn hill? Okay. Yeah, so I could see I mean, yes, Darby Allen would be good for Cody because they've been they're doing the, the, the slow build to their feud. So far Cody has beaten Darby Allen two to nothing. But for some reason, a feud between Cody and Adam Page, I don't know. To me I think that would be a little bit better. Because that their interaction in the hallway of being the elite. Even though I, even though it's kind of sad that I gotta follow being follow being the elite to watch to get storylines, but yeah, that would make sense. I could see Adam Page getting mad. How you gonna give me that damn story about not going down that dark path and do what you say and not as you do? O- okay, whatever. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And, of course, we have the uh, interaction between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. And Jericho start off with his why did the chicken cross the road joke. Why did the chicken cross the road? He said it three times. Then he says, you know, it's funny the first time, but after you hear it 10,000 more times, it's not funny anymore. That's what Orange Cassidy is. He runs down Orange Cassidy, and he tells Orange Cassidy, if you do those stupid Light kicks and all that, and you put your hands in your pocket. I'm going to beat you real, real quickly. And, of course, Orange Cassidy does his kicks. The Jericho puts his hands in his pocket. (laughs) And, of course, Chris Jericho takes off um, Orange Cassidy's sunglasses and breaks them in half, and Orange Cassidy just goes off. Double leg takedown on Chris Jericho. They fight outside the ring. Chris Jericho gets one of the cameras, one of those crane cameras, and swings at Orange Cassidy, and accidentally hardways Orange Cassidy in the ear. Orange Cassidy is cut hard. Well, you could s- cut hard way. You could see the blood, literally on his shirt. I mean, this was a nasty gash. The blood's just dripping down on his shirt. And in the end, they fight. There's a table right there, and Chris Jericho was. Standing on standing on some sort of railing, Orange Cassidy runs up the steps, or he walks up the steps, then runs down it. Gives super Jer- gives Super Jericho, my God, Super Jericho. Give Chris Jericho the super punch. <laughs> Chris Jericho flies off the railing, and he crashes through the table. And I guess that ends the program, and that's what they're gonna have at fighter fest. I forgot if they're going to have that at Fyter Fest next Wednesday or the Wednesday after that. Not nah, probably the second Wednesday. That would be July the 8th. Oh, yeah, I can't forget um, another squash match between Brian Cage and Joe Cruz. And, of course, Brian Cage squashes Joe Cruz and Taz. After the match, Taz tells Moxley that, wait, hey, where's Moxley at? Where's Moxley? Oh, that's right. You're behind the camera. You're sitting at home, <laughs> and he's telling what Brian Cage is gonna do to um, Johnny Mox or John Moxley at Fighter Fest. He's gonna take his title. He's gonna break him and all that stuff. Now my question is here: Do you take the belt off of Moxley, or do you keep it on Moxley? The way they now the way they booked Brian Cage, the way they booked him squashing people left and right. If you booked him this strong, you might as well take the belt off with of John Moxley. You might as well do it. Unless you want to wait till um. what's the other pay-per-view they got in, in September, Labor Day? All in, all out, whatever it's called, all in, all out. Unless they want to keep the belt on until then. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to build Brian Cage up like this, put the belt on him. For some reason, I like this pairing. I like the pairing of Brian Cage and Taz. Taz is being the mouthpiece, and Brian Cage is looking imposing and invincible and and mean and just looks intimidating. Reminds you of Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Just let Taz do all the talking. Let him do all the talking. Taz is a great talker. Just let him do it. Uh, One match I didn't care for. Matt Hardy versus Santana of Proud and Powerful. It was supposed to be Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Until well, Sammy Guevara got in trouble for his comments. He said four years ago on a podcast where he said he wanted to rape Sasha Banks. Ugh, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I know the old you know, I know the old, old excuse. Oh, it was four years ago. I was 22, well, 22 and 26. Eh, that may be true, but even when I was 22, I did a lot of stupid things when I was 22 also, but never said I wanted to rape a girl. <laughs> even if you didn't mean it in that context. Eh. eh. Yeah, that was really bad. Really, really bad. I don't think... I don't think do I do I believe that Sam should lose his job. No, but I know they're suspending him without the pay, so he's going to be going for a while. He um, he put out a YouTube a two minute YouTube video saying that he apologized. He talked to Sasha, and Sasha accepted his apology. But yeah, he won't you won't you're not going to see him on Impact or Impact. My goodness, AEW anytime soon. He he says he's not going to do any more of his vlogs anytime soon. So, yeah. Hopefully he'll learn from this. It was a bonehead thing for him to say. It was pretty stupid. I mean, I like Sasha Banks as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yes, I'm one of those Sasha bots. I'm not a hardcore Sasha bot where Sasha can do no wrong. And You got your Sasha bots and you got your Bliss bots, Alexa Bliss, I call him blisters. I mean Luke Birch, he's a blister. He loves Alexa Bliss. Loves her. Adores her. And I li- I like Sasha Banks. I think she's cool. Think she's hot. But yeah, Sam is paying for it right now. I gotta say, you know what? When did this when did this whole broken thing happen? 2015 or 14 15. Now, I like the broken Matt Hardy stuff when he did this in, in- when he did this in Impact. I know people loved the, the first match he did with uh, Jeff Hardy at the Hardy Compound. But my favorite was the Elite versus Decay, where Matt Hardy and his family took on Abyss and Rosemary and Crazy Steve at the Hardy Compound. Really enjoyed that because I like Rosemary, which is kind of weird because Rosemary is my mother's name. Go figure. And Abyss, we all know Abyss. Chris Parks and Crazy Steve. Really, really wanted Rosemary and Decay to win that one. <laughs> I really did, but they didn't. They lost. Now that he's now that Matt Hardy's doing the whole Damascus thing and he's doing his his three faces of Hardy, where he's the regular Matt Hardy or he's Matt Hardy version one, which I enjoyed when he did that with Shannon Moore back in two thousand two, two thousand three. Or his Damascus thing, whatever that was. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know, man. Just not, just not a big fan of it like I used to be. I was used. To, I was a big fan of that and the whole Vanguard one and Senor Benjamin and all that stuff. But to me, eh, ran its course. It's ran its course to me. And the ship shape and changing the characters between matches. You know, just go back to being regular Matt Hardy cuz I remember he cut that promo on Jericho as a regular Matt Hardy and he was that was a good promo. That was a damn good promo. Just kind of lost its luster for me. Just did. It just did. Uh, I'm just me. It's just me. Let's see, coming up, I guess I have just one note on NXT. Uh, I did watch that match between uh Kyrie and Cross I think the guy's name is Bronson. Two big da- Two big guys, another two big guys beating the hell out of each other. Actually, it was more <laughs> of Karrion Cross beating the hell out of Bronson. And Bronson's a big, big dude, man. He is a big, big dude. Yeah, Bronson Reed. I mean, I don't know how many times he did the side suplex on Bronson on uh, nah, Bronson Reed, but damn. He just threw him like nothing. And you can tell that Triple H put a rock to Karrion Cross's back and Scarlett and push him to the moon. I'm not sure he's going to be the next NXT champion, but the way things are looking, he might be. He might be because, oh boy, if they put him up against Adam Cole, ugh. I don't like Adam Cole's chances. I really don't. I like Adam Cole, but man, he's small compared to Karrion Cross. Hell, he's small compared to G-Wiz. I mean, my goodness. Guy can talk, but uh, I don't see that. I really don't see it. So I guess I'm not sure it's... So on July 8th, it's going to be Adam Cole taking on Keith Lee for all the marbles. NXT title is going to be online. And also the North American title is going to be online. So it was winner take all. So Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. Now Keith Lee has pinned Adam Cole before. Again, another example trying to suspend disbelief. I'm supposed to believe that Adam Cole was going to beat Keith Lee. Now if he does something dastardly behind the referee's back, I can see it. But if he was going to sh- beat Keith Lee in a straight-up wrestling match, no. Just don't see it. I don't. Don't see it, don't see it. Damien Priest is another big guy. He took on, Ka- what's his name? Grimes, Cameron Grimes. I guess they're gonna turn Damien Priest, I guess he's a babyface now. I remember, wasn't he a heel? He was a heel two weeks ago at the In Your House pay-per-view when he took on Finn Balor. Now that Finn Balor beat him, all of a sudden, he's a babyface. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess that works. Man, we need some... Yeah, you know, we You know what we're missing? We need some really, really big tag teams. That's what I'm missing. And I know I'm in... And I know I'm... This is rare for me, but a lot of people don't like it. But I'm digging the whole MVP Apollo Crews storyline. Where MVP is trying to get Apollo Crews to join his faction with... Um. What's his name? Not okay. I, I want to say Bobby Anthem, but no, it's Bobby Lashley. <laughs> it's Bobby Lashley. I think that could be a, a great, a great group right there. You have MVP being the talker, Bobby Lashley being the muscle, the athleticism of uh, Apollo Cruz, and possibly, possibly Sheldon Benjamin. I guess this is their, This is. I guess this is going to be their new version of a PG version of Nation of Domination. That would be a very interesting duel. Just running amok and Raw. Just beating the hell out of people. Would I put the belt on Bobby Lashley over Drew McIntyre? Eh, maybe. Just not now. But I guess SummerSlam. Is SummerSlam still going to happen? We don't know. It was scheduled to be in Boston. But because of this coronavirus, you never know now. I don't know. <sighs> they can't do it in Boston and Orlando the performance center people are, people are infected with the covid covid-19 virus so i have no idea what wwe is going to do i don't know if they're going to open the summer i don't know if they're going to have a summer slam or not i really don't i know they're trying to open places but can't do it As a matter of fact i don't even know why i don't even know why that we're going to have a baseball season Baseball starts July 23rd. Why? So more people can get sick. I, I, uh, I guess money talks. I guess my. I mean, I like sports as much as anybody, but really, just 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 call it a day. We don't need baseball right now. We need people to be safe. Let's not do that. And I don't know how I, I don't know how football is going to go down because I read that Clemson, the Clemson Tigers, like isn't it, what 23 football college football kids got sick of the of COVID-19 in the NFL Ezekiel Elliott caught COVID-19 so I don't know how this is going to work. I have no idea how the football's going to work or basketball or even baseball. Don't have a clue. Like I said, I guess money talks, but I like sports like I said before, but who knows? Who knows? So, so far, it's been two hours and 15 minutes. I think this is a good time where I can stop here. This was a, wow, this was kind of a long show. It was fun going down memory lane and talking old school matches back from 1991 when I was 16 years old. Back during the old days. I was one of the few people where I were, I liked WCW more than I liked WWF at the time. I was kind of an old school dude. and now I remember my family making fun of me watching other promotions. They were WWF all the way. So every time I, w- I would watch something else, an- another wrestling organization, they would come to me and tease me, oh, you're watching that loser wrestling. Why are you watching that loser wrestling? I mean, I would watch the AWA. They hated AWA. They hated WCCW. They hated the NWA. They hated Bill Watts' UWF. It was WWF. Or bust for them, but for me, nah, I I wasn't satisfied just watching one company. I like watching the other wrestling promotions because everybody's different in their own way. Everybody's unique. That was just me. Oh yeah, the fun times growing up. Well, want to thank Mr. Bobby Anthem. Want to thank Scott from It's Pathetic with Rye Bread. Congratulations on Rye, expecting soon. Want to thank Sky Genie. I want to thank my man G-Wiz. And I want to thank Yuck Nasty for hanging with me for 2 hours and 17 minutes. And you know what? How am I going to end this? You know, I started with Bobby Anthem rapping. I think I'll end with Bobby Anthem rapping. So, until next week, I'll see you when I see you. And Pierce.
1: People know me, but act like they don't know me, but I'm going to let you know who I am. I go by the name of well really you should know by now. And if you don't, you haven't been listening. Pay closer attention. This is Doc Strange Animal, the Harvard Avenue Hannibal, handing you the all. With the manual written by the man with cinder blocks on his wrist for hands and you would rather piss your pants in a public place than to get my fist to dance get in my face i don't think you want to risk the chance i talk a bank load of shit back up about a buck of it but i'm gonna keep running off at the mouth just for the fuck of it i'm never gonna quit i'm never gonna leave the underground without a ton of that off the wall shit y'all can all get the ball sack and Pick up a pen, take dictation and read this back. I am the pirate. I spit from the soul. My goal is to take control of the globe and let you know that this is Bobby Anthony. Uh-huh. 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 You don't really want it with me. Uh-huh. 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 You will get done by. Gonna be, gonna be, gonna be. Flames don't come easy. No. To try to understand My mic is the match And my mouth is the aerosol can All fans of the true shit You got yourself a representative Of that honest-to-goodness Underground music Watch how I do shit Take down notes Take it to the lab to analyze Break down quotes My music is muscle for hire Made to shake down folks Shoving my heart to swallow Rhyme style straight down throats Using the beat as a chaser I face my fiends I'm a cyclops My eye shoots laser beam Sharp like a razor seams. I play for teams that play to win the game and achieve major things. If you ain't feeling what I'm saying, you can shake the scene. Shit ain't half as mean as you make it seem. You can try to face the team, but you may get creamed. If Marvin Gaye made you holler, I'ma make you scream and say, This is Bobby Yeah, yeah. You really nah, want you, want want you don't really want it with me. TR. are we the best in the business yes we are with zero representation and less pr i make the best of my gifts god bless me far plus i harness the ability to focus on my energy into a ball of energy and throw it at my enemies holler out obscenities to people who ain't feeling me my secret identity you me remember me my assembly's the brotherhood of evil mutants